Tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Are you ready? LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And uh, hey, Mark. Um, yes. Now that three hundred billion dollars worth of college uh, loan <sighs> debt is going to be wiped away illegally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word! How crazy is yeah. this? I think about the money that uh, I think about what some people did to attend college and get a degree, mm-hmm. like me. Yeah. Um, where I didn't have support from family, I worked. Um, you know, if you uh, work hard and achieve something and get a degree you have that to look back on and say, I did that. I didn't, you know, um, it was cheaper to go to college when I went, but it still did take working to go, you know, if you didn't have cash anyway, but there were loans available, but it was different than because they were private loans and they weren't really that bad. It was when the government took over the loans to start with. That's when, you know, it got weird, but let me give you one quick look at this. If the government gets away with this and wipes out $300 billion in loan debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better? Then they should stop making loans, okay? Yeah. That that If you've made a mistake to the tune of $300 billion, you stop doing it. Right. That's your, that's your start point, and that's the only way it should go. If they're not going to stop making the loans, then here's another way to look at it. Mm. Rather than wipe out the loans, wipe out the interest. If you, you know, $300 billion in interest, look at how people, because I've looked at these. Um, during the COVID thing, the uh, like many other government related entities, they allowed people to not pay their loans, small business loans, co- you know, the uh, college loans. Right. Um, they, but the interest continued to accrue. Now, if you made payments during this time, your money went directly to your principal. So somebody who was paying their thing every month and seeing very little applied to their actual loan because it was all eaten up with interest. All of a sudden, they were seeing $14,000 a year going or, or more going to their principal payment. Right. Okay. By wiping out the interest. So there are other options than just wiping it out. And then what about the people who didn't take a loan mm. that worked hard? Right. You know, what yeah. about those who struggled and sacrificed and took 10 years to go to college while they worked hard at a mm-hmm. second job or whatever? I mean, yeah. what about all? I mean, are you going to now write them a check? Are you going to send a $10,000 check to everybody who attended college but didn't take a loan? Right. I mean, why? Should, and, and what about those people who didn't borrow money to go to college because they decided, I'm just, I don't want to go to college. I don't, I'm going to learn to be a welder, and here's what I'm going to do. Right. Now, because the government has no money of its own. It only has what it can tax us. Mm-hmm. So they're going to take the money from somebody who did not go to college because they couldn't afford it, didn't want to get the loans or chose not to and make them pay for somebody's loan who took it up in underwater basket weaving in Mm -hmm. in Egyptian times. Okay. Yeah. That's an important thing. There is no. Yeah. I was, I was going to say there, that's an important thing to remember. There is no government money. It's your money. They took Mm -hmm. it from you. Remember? Yep. Uh, A friend of mine, guy I used to work with uh, at SDEA. He came in as uh, like as an intern and and then went on to work with us on a bunch of stuff. He he his name is Scott. I'll just that's I'll just go that far. He posted on Facebook uh, last night. This is what he he said: worked my tail off, got a baseball scholarship and two free years of school, finished undergrad, got a great job with Alabama Power, and pursued a master's degree. I made my own decision to go into debt. But I saw it as an investment to grow myself as a man and face many challenges of working full-time while being a student. It bettered me as an individual. But what really challenged me and grew me 
was paying for the decisions I made to continue my education. I buckled down, worked harder, learned how to budget, and paid it all off, and it made me a better person. Our education system isn't a failure, and I'm very proud I challenged myself to get the two degrees I have and to accept the challenge in paying it off. What is a complete failure is relying on our government and thinking they are doing you a favor. If you haven't learned by now, you aren't going to. Nothing cancels out hard work and taking responsibility for your actions. He is a business owner and uh, now runs a, a very successful business that, uh, that he, <laughs> that's doing work. You've probably seen his work and haven't been aware of it. I'll just put it that way. Because you have probably walked on the sidewalks he's cleaned, sat in the bleachers he's, his business is cleaned in, in various sporting venues. And, and so he started a business, and it's wildly successful now. And it's all, that's all because of his ethic. Not just work ethic, but his ethic about paying his debts and paying his way. And that is something that is important for this country. Not going, as you said, into taking um, underwater basket weaving or any of the other bizarre things that you know that students are taking now and thinking that they're going to make a life out of, which have no future. And then complaining because they can't pay their student debt because... The path they chose will never pay for itself. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show as the extravaganza pulls out of the station. <laughs> and uh, by golly, we had so many, uh, well, I guess over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of different animal-related stories. And, yeah. you know, I figured out why that is, Mark. Um, the reason we've had a lot of animal stories, stupid criminal stories, and uh, world, Guinness Book of World Records stories, we've had a lot of them, is because you and I have worked like two and a half weeks straight. <laughs> we haven't taken a two-day work week, so that's why. You know, that's when you work it. two or three days a week, you don't see nearly as many stories, but <laughs> working a full five-day work week, there you go. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, here we are. Yep. Alligator makes a late-night ruckus on a South Carolina couple's porch. Yeah, a South Carolina couple said they awoke to a crashing sound in the middle of the night and discovered a six-foot alligator on their front porch. Marcy and Paul Parrick said they were awakened after midnight by a loud noise, and they looked outside to discover the gator had climbed the ten stairs of their front porch and was positioned right outside the door of their Port, uh, Port Royal Plantation home. Marcy Parrick uh, said it was the craziest thing. We could have stepped on it if we'd walked out the front door. No idea why it would choose to just run up there unless it was trying to chase something up there or it was spooked up there. Plantation security arrived at the home and used a spotlight to eliminate the, illuminate the un unwelcome visitor. Parrick said the gator appeared frightened by the commotion. Uh, Marcy Parrick says, I think it was scared to death actually you just never know what they're capable capable of doing when they're cornered like that the alligator remained until after 1 a.m when the parrots and security officers shut off all their lights the gator eventually descended the port stairs and made its way to a nearby lagoon <laughs> lagoon yeah <laughs> where's gilligan <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's wow <laughs> well bless its heart i mean it's up on it's climbed a mountain so to speak 10 mm -hmm. stairs it's got on this yeah. uh, it's got up on the porch it yeah. made some sort of a racket while it was up there and then all the lights came on and it's like uh yeah. uh oops uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm just thinking you got how how long was this thing 10 i mean this is a six, six foot six long foot, alligator yeah 
that is a lot of boot, a lot of uh, luggage. That's a lot of meat. Tastes like chicken. I mean, we got a we got a restaurant. Uh, <laughs> we've got a Dag Blasted retail outlet ready to open on this. Yes, one. we do. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac Show. Good to have you with us today. We appreciate it. I was thinking a minute ago, Mark, about the six foot long alligator on the porch. <laughs> yeah, I thought. If we were to put these stories into a Brady Bunch episode, you know, and they had that slug line, you know, yeah. like, for example, <laughs> Greg and Peter see a giant beast with glowing red eyes outside the house. The girls all scream during their uh, overnight sleeping party <laughs> and mom and dad have date night tonight on the Brady Bunch, you know, <laughs> It could work. Yeah, either that or an episode of Scooby-Doo, you know? Yeah, well. <laughs> Ruby? Greggy. Greggy. All right. So wow. the mystery giant beast with glowing red eyes, that would be my cat, Mark. Yeah, around our house, that's, houses, that's what it would be. It would be, it would be one of the pets. But <clears throat> in the U.K., after finding the steaming remains of a dead sheep... One witness hmm. claimed he's shown you his know, I life. find steaming remains every morning, but it's usually something I have <laughs> to take outside. He's not a dead sheep, no. Uh, he, he shone his light into the darkness and saw a dark, stocky shape with reddish eyes watching him. A mysterious beast has been terrifying locals, with a witness describing a huge dog-like creature running across fields at incredible speeds. Villagers in the Bolton area have just have dubbed the giant dog-like creature the Rivington Pike Beast. <laughs> May I need to say this mm, with the right? With I have to say this. Story. Yeah, it's the Rivington Pike Beast. <laughs> Two men out of hunting have uh, out hunting rabbits with air rifles found the dead sheep that was still steaming before hearing a rumbling, growling sound. The witness said the remaining sheep in the field had flocked together and looked scared and worried. They were all acting really strange. The growling continued all through the event. It was loud, rumbling, growling noise. Last summer, a dad was driving his six-year-old son to school in uh, Adlington where he spotted a huge dog-like creature running across a field at incredible speed. He described it as a dark Rottweiler or bulldog and said it vanished in a flash. He reported the sighting to the Winter Hill investigation team, a local team investigating reports of the beast, who said it was the first time it had been seen in daylight. (laughs) All right. (laughs) With... Almost everybody in the world under the age of 75 having a, a phone in their pocket with a camera. <laughs> yeah. Where's the video? Uh-huh. If we don't have video of a red-eyed monster, it ain't. It doesn't exist. Come on. <laughs> There's no way. I have a feeling this is something to boost tourism, you know, because you people, people will go to see anything. You know, we had the story the other day about people going to that town, that town because mm-hmm. it's the, the coal mines are burning underneath it. Remember? Right. They want to yeah. go, yep. go there where it's dangerous. They want to go see Loch Ness and look for Nessie. This is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet if you really look around, you'll find T-shirts, sweatshirts, ball caps, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. With this image on it. It's, it's got to be tourism. liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show and you know mark when uh, a couple weeks ago when we went to the beach the one thing that i noticed that has changed um is when you and i were younger and we would go to the beach because 
um, when you're on the beach with your hair blown around, women didn't really like to have their picture taken. You right, know, you'd yeah. see them covering up and things yeah. like that because the wind's blowing, they have no makeup on, whatever, right. not looking their best. Now you go to the, and I'm, that was a normal thing. Now you go to the beach and I'm not kidding. There are young ladies anywhere. I don't, because I'm older and I don't understand, I, you know, <laughs> everybody looks really young. It's yes, like, yes, they could be 30. I don't know. Right. But anyway, you know, some of them are 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, because they have that really bubbly. I'm so young. I don't realize how stupid this is. Okay. <laughs> and they pose, they're posing for pictures. Yep, yep. And it's like, you know, you're, you're pushing out your lips and sucking in your cheeks. And it's like, okay, you realize that the, the thing you guys are mimicking right now that mm-hmm. you think is a cool look, actually it's a, from a caricature <laughs> of Tammy Faye Baker in 1989. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what you're trying to look like. Uh-huh. Don't do it. <laughs> but you see them out there posing over and over. So when, and, and you see them try, going a little bit further in the water, trying to get a better look and mm-hmm. they're not paying any attention to anything going on around them. And there was, Oh boy, Mark, I gotta be honest with you. There were a little, there was a little group of like four girls. Okay. And, um, you know, how usually you have a pretty girl and she surrounds herself like you got an eight or a nine and she surrounds herself with threes and fours to make her look like a 10. Mm, yeah. Um, these were girls that were threes and fours and the four surrounded herself with ones and twos. Okay. <laughs> and, and boy, they had been at the buffet a lot. So they needed to wear more clothing. All right. This is one of those oh, things. If they no. passed out at a frat party, they would wake up with more clothing put on them like Amy Farrah Fowler. Oh, and they should have. I mean, I kept thinking, I'm going to throw this beach towel and hope it lands on one of them because this oh, is just, no. come on, man. Don't show that much flesh. It's just, yikes. Please stop. Where are their parents? You know that thing. It's kind of like Jane says, just because they make that swimsuit in your size doesn't mean you have to wear it. <laughs> And that's not really your size. That's the size for your ne- that's that's the size for your niece, that's your right, eight year old niece. I'm sorry. Oh, anyway, so they're always posing for these photos, and it's like, oh, come on, really? That and and they're, you know they're going to Photoshop them and put them on Facebook oh, and make yeah. it look like or whatever Instagram, yeah. Twitter, and oh, my perfect life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you see them out there not paying attention and get hit with a wave. It's kind of like, Oh, that's awesome, man. And it, you know, they just kind of deserve it. So when you see a headline that says husband and wife rescued after getting stuck by high tide during photo shoot, right, yeah. that's, this is not an unusual occurrence because right. people are so, they're so consumed with themselves. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's gotten t- uh, into, it's been this way with wedding photography for a while where the, you have a bunch of you hire a photographer for the day and that photographer will yeah. probably bring another person with them and they'll be taking pictures right. everywhere. And a lot of them are candid photos, especially at reception and things like that. But there will be a photo shoot and they will they will pose in places and go and do things that they would not normally do just for the wedding photos. Right. Well, newlyweds mm-hmm. Sh- Shania. Arjan and her hubby Sohil Hirani had just gotten married in a traditional Hindu ceremony and had briefly left with their photographer to take pictures on the beach. And Shiana said, we headed across, me in my high heels, and actually missed three or four signs saying danger because we were so excited. We got a few really good shots, and then the photographer looked back and said we had to go. We could see the pathway was covered in water. 
So we thought we had no option but to cross it. As we got closer to the pathway, some guy across the shore shouted not to attempt to cross because it was too dangerous. Sully Island there was only accessible at low tide, but it is left completely cut off when the uh, when the tide comes in. The lifeboat crew, <laughs> they wow. came to rescue them, saw the funny side, though. According to Shania, mm. she adds, as soon as they got there, they were like, hey, congratulations, this is a first. We've never had to rescue a bridal party before. The, the happy couple <laughs> managed to get some exciting pictures of the rescue and an experience they'll never forget. Uh, luckily, it didn't ruin the big day for Shania and Sohil, with Shania saying, it's made the whole day so memorable. Well, yeah, because otherwise, Mark, it would have just been another day. <laughs> liferadio.fm mark and mac show and hey uh, during the music mark and i were talking about photographers and just yeah. gonna, i'm gonna throw this out there mark because um and my my sister dina actually um is a photographer she's a she is a specialist she's a wedding photographer but oh, she good. can do other things but right. yeah. but that is her thing you know and I'm not kidding. Um, when she came to visit several years ago, um, it was during Hannah's uh, senior prom. And so um, Dina was like, hey, let me, you know, she didn't, we knew she was coming. So they planned ahead for Dina to do her prom pictures. Oh. And um, yeah, it was what it was a great gift. You know, this is a very expensive thing. And, you know, anyway, Dina took the photos and I'm thinking, Wow, if I had, and I actually said it out loud, okay, and it's wrong, but this is what I said. <laughs> Man, if I had a camera like that, I could really, you know, do this. <laughs> and she said, Dave, I mean, and I'm not kidding. I said it out loud, and um, she was like, yeah, it's the camera. Give me your cell phone. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> and she went ahead and took some more photos on my cell phone. And she goes, all right, do you have anything that looks like this on your phone? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will go over here and eat a bowl of shut up, you know, because that just, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. There's a real skill for it. You there have to is. really know what you're doing. Yeah. There, or there's a difference. Everybody takes a picture. Not everybody is a photographer, you That's know? exactly right. That's exactly right. There's a, you, photographers see the world in a different way than the normal person does. They just do. And they understand yeah. that the picture they're taking well, they understand there's a, there's a whole lot of dynamics that go into place, but there is a, right. there is a unique talent set that real photographers and have, which is why they should just be because, paid. Yeah. Just because you can tell a joke doesn't mean you're a stand-up comedian. That's Same right. Same thing applies. I know a guy who uh, is a professional photographer who uh, was, he was the guy that did all the photos for, for like a local high school's, all, all their sporting events. They called this guy oh. up and said, "Hey, the you know the football game is at this time. We need you out there." You know, it says he was the guy. By the way, like, this will transpose into a Brady Bunch episode. When Greg Brady <laughs> played football, he got hurt. Of course, he couldn't play in the big game. <laughs> ah, so the, we go. <laughs> he took pictures of his girlfriend, the head cheerleader. Uh -huh. And what happened during the big game? During the big play, he was taking a photo of his girlfriend, and in the background, they found out the guy was in bounds. <laughs> his team should have won. <laughs> Great. Anyway, yeah. this guy that I know told me at one point that he, the bottom fell out of his his uh, team sports photography business when parents started going to the big uh, discount, the big you know like Costco and uh, Sam's yeah. Club and buying the camera kits, the like mm -hmm. Canon cameras and stuff that you could buy as with as a kit. Yeah, they'd buy those things and they'd start showing up and they were taking pictures of their kids uh, right. on the sidelines. 
And uh, eventually, one school after another, so we got parents that are doing this. That's fine. We don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. And right. And the thing is that he, the guy with the eye for photography, was actually mm-hmm. taking real quality photos, and he got run out of business by all these people with no talent. That's a wow. sad thing. And, but with in a volume business of pictures, there's going to be a few usable from each one. But well, you, again, now you got to know which pictures to pick out. What's mm-hmm. the difference between these two photos? Well, this one's in focus and looks great. This one shows <laughs> is that a is that a mascot or a player? Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, we put found, it in the yearbook. Nobody we will found care. Bigfoot. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show, and uh, boy, oh boy, the Brady Bunch strikes again. He's 17, but <laughs> Peter says he'll beat Greg's world record <laughs> of flying around the... <laughs> All right, oh, Mark. my gosh. A yeah. 17-year-old is about to set a new world record flying a plane around the world solo. Now, you know he's got a mom that mm-hmm. is sitting at home going, well, you know, in 1936, Amelia Earhart got lost. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Wrong way, Feldman went the wrong way, you know, any any number of things. And he just to try to get this 17 year old not to do it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still thinking, all right, um, let's see, we've been to the moon. Uh, We've been around. I mean, it's a neat goal to have to do something different and cool and all that. But again, it, it, it has been done. There's no need to gut the jet, you know, or the plane and put in an aluminum chair and carry a chicken sandwich and soup in a thermos, you know. There's no need to do all that anymore to fly, you know. Mm. It's not like the ghost of Lindbergh is going to pop up and say, good job, young man. Here's a medal. I mean. Right. Yeah. But because Guinness World Records exists, people will keep pushing the edge of the envelope. (laughs) What is that? It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't know, Dad. It looks like a lamb. A Belgian-British teenage pilot was on track Tuesday to become the youngest person to fly around the world solo in a small plane as he landed in southern Belgium ahead of the uh, penultimate leg of his global odyssey. Mac Rutherford, wow. who turned 17 during the journey, touched down at the Bouzette airstrip near the city of uh, Charleroi, where he originally learned to fly. He's due to land in Bulgaria today, or actually that was yesterday, he was due to land in Bulgaria. His aim, to displace Travis Ludlow of Britain, who was 18 when he set the record in 2021. Max, We actually talked about that kid, too. Yeah. Um, Max Lonely... Lonely Journey, which began on March 23rd, took him through 52 countries over five continents. And to conform with the Guinness World Records requirements, the route crossed the equator twice. Um, He told the Associated Hmm. Press it was supposed to take between two and three months, and it's been five months now. Uh, administrative formalities in Crete oh. and Dubai because of paperwork issues, uh, visas, permits, and things like that caused the delay. Huh. If all goes well, weather permitting, he'll fly east, uh, let's see, east across Europe via Slovakia and land in an airport in the Bulgarian capital, Sofia. I think it was supposed wow. to happen today. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, okay. today. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's good. I, may, I mock things, but, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty cool. But yeah. I just, yeah. I, I thought, and I mean this in all sincerity, I look at how they fly, okay? Mm-hmm. They being, and this is where the flat earthers come in, okay? <laughs> Just so you know. They're like, that ain't going around the world. That's flying around a very flat area in a circle. That's all you're doing. Really? I'm, not, I'm serious. If, yes, if you actually look at how, that's the first time I got nailed by a flat earther video. It was on a guy flying around the world going, uh-uh, it doesn't curve like that. 
That's yeah. I got uh, burned so hard, oh Mark. I mean, because there's a couple of minutes when you're going, but this guy's he's a he's got his he's a master's degree in such and such, and <laughs> he seems to know what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, but you know, I could mm. show you how a baseball doesn't actually curve mathematically, but I can throw it. So anyway. <laughs> And bumblebees yeah. aren't supposed to be able to fly. We get it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Got burned. Uh -huh. But I got burned by that flat earther. I'll never forget it. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And uh, now that we've settled the deal about the flat earth. And <laughs> you know, Mark, you know you can get trapped on uh, YouTube. You've done it. You know, I think we all have. Where... You know, you look for one thing specifically, and you see it. But then there are so many other things that are similar, but just a one-off, you know, a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. And you watch that. And next thing you know, you're watching a dog driving a car around the Talladega <laughs> Super Speedway, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah. how'd they do that? You know? And and that takes you to the monkey driving the car in, you know, any which way but loose. And right. you're going, but he really wasn't driving the car. There was actually a stuntman driving behind him, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> right. It's just, oh, yeah. it just drives you crazy after a while, but... Those flat earthers got me, Mark. It really did. Really, and not that I believe. Yeah, not that I believed it. It's just I all I could think of. I watched this video, and it was about a guy flying around the world. And it was a pilot. And what had happened was I was actually looking up a specific pilot story uh, about a, J a Japan Air pilot flying from Alaska to Japan who saw a UFO and reported it, and they took him off flight duty and put him on desk duty for the rest of his career. Wow, and. You know, now that they're encouraging uh, pilots to report UFO sightings, you know, mm -hmm. um, there's still a fear right. that they're going to take their wings in right, a very, yeah. you know, anyway. But that's what I was looking. I was actually looking for the guy's name because I was tying it together with another story. And next thing you know, I got a pilot telling me about the curvature of the earth. And he's got his mat and he's like, it ain't doing that. It's not curving. It's it's flat. It's all flat. Mm. He goes, and what about, you know, you go to Antarctica. And there's this huge ice wall, and nobody's allowed. It's like, it, like the Forbidden Zone in Planet of the Apes. You can't go past <laughs> these cross things, you know, these X's. Right. Yeah. And you can't. You really can't. It yeah. is blocked. You're not allowed to go there. <laughs> Why? Why? What are they hiding from us, Mark? Are they hiding that if you go there, you're gonna fall off the Earth? <laughs> and that's what. So I'm watching this video all the while, thinking, I gotta, you know, I gotta debunk this guy. And I'm like, I am really, you know what? If I waste the time to prove this guy is wrong, the people that actually believe he's right are not going to believe me. No, you know? no, they're not. They're not. They, if you believe the earth is flat yeah. and that the, and, you know, I'm, I've already lost the argument before we started. Right. It doesn't make you smarter than me. It really just makes you more obstinate. That's really mm -hmm. what it amounts to yeah. because there's no way, but. I actually did for a brief moment think I started making notes, you know, I'm going to put up a video and it'll go viral proving this guy. I'm like, no, because I'm not a scientist because I only know about the Brady Bunch and the Andy Griffith show. They're going to burn me bad, you know? Yeah. So the best science you've got is the Brady Bunch, Andy Griffith and room 222. Okay. Yeah. But I know the Friday night light up in 1971 on television, uh, 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 you know? I love when you, so, that happens, I, and and you know this is true because it's happened to you as well. It's just when uh, when you correct somebody on social media and you point out the act, the actual facts about something, and they don't come back with "Oh, you got me, you're right." They come back with "Oh yeah, you're a radio guy from Alabama." 
You know, right. like you wouldn't know yep. anything about that. Right. You know? <laughs> well, I've got Google for crying out loud. I can look up. I have just as much resource access as you do, pal. <laughs> oh, I know it. They love doing that, too, being yes, that we do. live in Alabama. I know. Yep. yep. And, and I just think, you know what? Go to Huntsville. Just yeah. go look at the Von Braun. Oh, by the way. Yeah. When I was up in Huntsville one day with uh, at a meeting, and I made a comment. I was speaking to a uh, a young entrepreneurs group. I don't know why they booked me to speak, but anyway, they were. Uh, it was kind of funny because Huntsville is like really advanced in terms of what they have. They're very smart people yeah. up there. The uh, yeah, boy, they all make a lot more money than the rest of the people in the southeast. And anyway, I'm just enamored with the place. I love it. Now, I know better than to move there because if I moved there, I would be. <laughs> That mullet-wearing white trash guy in the trailer, you know, with the toilet on the front porch. That'd be me. In the future, they'd be to looking them. back about trying trying to figure out when was it things started going downhill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it when, was the day was Dave, Dave Max Dave that he was going to film. The, yeah. He was going to make that movie, Inbred Rednecks, and we realized it was a documentary. There you go. No, but I made a comment about the Von Braun Center, and yeah. uh, I said, you guys know that uh, Werner Von Braun was a Nazi. Yes. And I said, I really think there's a problem here. And I, I, I was being serious. Okay. I know, I know with operation paperclip, the United States and Russia basically got whatever German scientists they could. Right. And put them in charge of the work, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of, of building rockets. And because of Hitler and their money being spent on these rockets, it was a big deal. Um, I would like to add that, uh, most of the Nazi German scientists and their rocket making came, they used the work of a United States scientist by the name of Goddard. That's why we have the Goddard right. science yeah. uh, museum and all that. And Goddard was from upstate New York and he went to the New Mexico desert and flew his rockets in mm. during the great depression. I think that was anyway. Paul, and that's Paul where, yeah. yeah. And that's where the Germans got their, uh, their work from but anyway. So I operation paperclip, we got a bunch of Germans. The Russians got a bunch of Germans and you see who won, you know, our Germans were better than their Germans. <laughs> yeah. Our German main guy was Werner von Braun. Well, the one thing that came out of this, and it was a political thing on both sides, by the way, the Russians did it too, just like the U S well, they weren't, these guys were scientists. They weren't Nazis. Okay. They might've been part of the Nazi party or this right. party or that yeah. party. And they were German, but they were German citizens who were forced as scientists to do these things, right. but they were not political. They were apolitical people. And that's not necessarily the case. That's the story that was told. Truth be told, they didn't have to be Nazis. They were not, some were Nazis by choice. They could have been other things, but they chose a certain path. And that's what ought to be looked at. But it was whitewashed for the American public, and people bought it because back then, if uh, the newspaper printed it and Edward R. Moreau or Walter Cronkite said it, they believed it, you know? And that's all, that's the rest of the story. That's the Paul Harvey for you. Oh, okay. But the Von Braun Center is named after a Nazi. Oh, I got you. All right. Well, <clears throat> I, was just, I usually just tell people when they... You know, they say, oh, yeah, the, the radio guy from Alabama, he knows all that stuff, yeah. Alabama. My usual response is, oh, uh, let me get in touch with NASA and, and a handful of other yeah. uh, uh, intelligent organizations mm -hmm. and tell them they made a mistake being in yeah. Huntsville, you know, because, jeez. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, it's the Mark and Mac show, and every now and again a story will pop up and you go, 
Wait a minute. <laughs> how? How? Why? Where? And really? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is all of that wrapped up into one. It sure is. And it didn't happen in the U.S. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> no, it didn't. It happened in India, in the Indian state of Bihar. A gang there somehow managed to run a fake police station out of a hotel for eight months before finally <laughs> being caught by the actual police. Cases wow. cases of fraudsters impersonating police officers and soldiers are not uncommon in India, a country where the fear of and the respect for those in uniform are widespread. But a gang in the town of Banka, Bihar state, took the scam to a whole other level by setting up a fake police station just 500 yards from the real one. Oh, come on now. Yeah. Apparently, the scammers operated their fake station out of a local hotel where they posed as actual officers wearing realistic uniforms, badges, and even firearms. They're believed to have, they are believed to have scammed hundreds of people, having requested bribes for registering complaints, helping them secure social housing or jobs in the police, or otherwise solving their problems. Um, a real one a police officer, a real police officer told reporters, we have heard cases of fake cops or investigating officers in the country. This is the first time we have heard of a fake police station <laughs> to make their police station appear legit. The gang allegedly paid people from the rural area around Banca wages of about 500 rupees per day. That's uh, $6 and 25 cents, by the way, Wow! to pretend that they were working at the station. The whole thing was convincing enough that no one filed any complaints with the real police for eight months. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about what we refer to as quote unquote real police. Yeah. That didn't realize <laughs> 500 yards away was a fake police station. Uh-huh. Come on. How do you not, you know, yeah. how do you not know this? How do you not cross paths with these people yeah. in the street? I mean, how do you, yeah. you know, and you're going to, if you're a real police officer, you're going to look at somebody's uniform and say, well, that was a little out of place. What? You right. Know, th- there's got to be clues. You would think. <laughs> Apparently not, Mark. We lost, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think wow. it, I think this qualifies for this. No! The Mark and Mac Show. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And boy, what a glorious day, Mark. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, well, we're up. We're at them. It's, uh. Well, I mean, we're recording this on August 25th, okay? I mm-hmm. say we're, we're doing the show on August 25th. We right. record the shows. Yes, exactly. It goes up in the podcast every day. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, when we take a day off, you might hear this. Right. Just, just saying, okay? <laughs> so if you hear this in the dead of winter and we're talking about, man, temperatures, you know, that, that's why. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Although it feels like the dead of winter compared to what we've had lately, you know? I mean. Isn't it crazy, man? Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. So. I'm, I'm got to look real quick while we're talking about, it. all right, today, the high today at my house, mm-hmm. it should be like 80 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. August 25th, a high, a might hit 80. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, global warming has destroyed us, Mark. <laughs> Odd how that works. It's cooler than normal, but somehow it's, yeah. I, I don't understand. That's why they renamed it to climate change. That's yes, why. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, <laughs> the same people who brought you coronavirus oh, and monkeypox. Yeah. With a name like monkeypox, everybody's <laughs> going to be really scared, Mark. Oh, that's <laughs> how right. it works. Yep. Well, Mark, <laughs> in Germany, a man did something pretty interesting, and yeah. uh, I thought, you know what? Of all the things one would think of to use as a weapon to threaten people with, 
I just don't think Potato Peeler would be up in my top three. No, no. Me either. In Germany, a man walked into a bank and demanded cash. The teller refused, perhaps because of the weapons he used to threaten him, a water pistol and a potato peeler. After a brief standoff, the would-be robber left empty-handed. He was arrested five minutes later and as he wandered down a nearby street, still wearing his ski mask. (laughs) Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Water pistol, potato peeler, wearing the ski mask. Yeah. So who are we looking for, ma'am? Well, I think anybody wearing a ski mask in August might fit the bill, but, uh, you know. You just, I, he missed that class, you know, the the, yeah. the, the the ski mask class. No, you take it off after you leave the bank, you know. <laughs> he missed that part. Yeah. liferadio.fm Mark and Mac show still a little stuck on the last story when you were like he missed that day in class (laughs) it's funny but you wonder you know when when people are going to rob a bank okay um, you would think that and I'm I'm just spitballing here it's never been something I thought would be a good idea right you know robbing a bank it just doesn't seem to work out well for the the thief no never does I wouldn't want to pull a weapon on somebody because, you know, we were, you and I, I think, are part of most of us who have learned how to handle guns mm-hmm. where you're taught never point a gun at anybody if you're not pulling the trigger, right. you know? Yeah. And so to threaten somebody with a gun is something I couldn't do. I, you know, you think about the downline effect. How is somebody, and I bet we, there's somebody listening right now who has been the victim of a robbery like this. Can you imagine what it'd be like? You just go to work. You're just trying to pay the bills. You're standing there working in the bank, and some schmo comes in, and the best thing he could come up with was a squirt gun and a potato peeler. Like, no, I, I think I'll pass on. No, sir, I'm not going to give you a bag. But here, you know what? These lovely dye packs might help dye that shirt. You know? That's, that's all I can think. You gonna gonna water me down before you peel my skin off? Is that what we're gonna do here? Oh my gosh. You've got your duct tape, Slim. Oh, I just had a raising Arizona flashback with the dye packs going off. Oh, <laughs> the two guys who robbed the bank and the, they're in the getaway car, actually in the get getaway car with the baby in the car seat yeah. on the roof. They forgot about oh, him, and they're, wow, they're they're woo-hoo! they're screaming off down the road celebrating, and the dye packs explode in the inside the car and turn the windows all pink. It's, 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 it's awesome. Unfinished Arizona. If you haven't yes. seen that movie, yeah, oh, it's worth watching. I, I'm sure there's language and things uh-huh. in it that are inappropriate, but it's Give still me funny that movie. baby, you warthog from hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Holly Hunter was so funny in that movie. <laughs> wow. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, having a 1987 flashback after the last break. Because, you know, Mark was talking about Raising Arizona, that movie. Oh, and gosh. It's just, you know, you think about it. I told him while the music was playing, I said, dude, you realize that was 35 years ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what in the world, Mark? It, it, <laughs> a lifetime I, I know, ago. I know. 1987. Mm. And, you know, you think about it. It was a funny movie. It, it was. Wasn't that a Coen Brothers movie? I think it was. Um Okay. Holly Hunter, uh, 
Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Um, yeah. Um, the, John Goodman. Well, the guy that Randall Tex Cobb was the bounty hunter. Yes. And he, Randall Tex Cobb is the reason Howard Cosell stopped doing professional boxing broadcasting. Wow. Because it was Randall Tex Cobb who took a beating by then heavyweight champ Larry Holmes, and Tex would not go down. He was beaten worse than Rocky Balboa, okay? <laughs> he was beaten, and he wouldn't go down. They wouldn't stop the fight, and Howard Cosell was calling. Back then, you know, they did it on network television a lot of the time, mm. and Howard was calling, and he was like, they got to stop the fight. The guy, you know, he has no chance of winning. He's bloody. He's beaten to a pulp, and he just won't go down. They, somebody needs to stop the fight, and when they didn't, <laughs> Howard said, that's it. I'm out. This is not what I signed up for. So there you go. And then he, Randall Tex Cobb goes on to becoming an actor. And in the 80s, he had a bit of a career for a little while. Um, he was in a, one of my favorite movies, um, uh, Valor, Uncommon Valor, uh, where he played a kind of crazy guy. But anyway, what? Uh, sorry shiny I know, i've got, shiny i've got i've got imdb open i'm just watching the trailer for for raising oh. arizona it's wow just, just, i for, i totally forgot about the him going to steal the uh, the huggies at the convenience store oh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, right and he's got the he's got the pantyhose pulled down over his head and he walks up to the register with the diapers <laughs> and the gun and the guy behind the register says boy you got a panty on your head <laughs> <laughs> oh god what a funny movie <laughs> there you go so hey man again not endorsing the film merely no, saying no. it's a funny movie it is a because funny well, movie. you start looking at this okay and because you and i have been uh in this world for a long time mm -hmm. and there are people who uh, both of us have gone to church with that really do take offense oh, at mentioning things that are not Bible man, you know, mm -hmm, yeah. if it's not like, for instance, uh, counting cuss words in movies and right. things like that. Yeah. And Hey, if that's your thing and you think that's a good thing to do, then whatever makes you, you know, feel good. It's just, it's not who we are. Right. And, yeah. um, I find humor in just about everything, you know, and yeah. that's probably not always. And, and by the way, I know I find humor at the wrong time very inappropriate i i've gotten better about not saying things out loud okay mm -hmm. but sometimes that voice in my head is so loud you can hear it coming out my ears like speakers you know i know life radio.fm the mark and mac show and you know you can you can catch the show via podcast every day mark has it uploaded by 10 o'clock central time um I was going to say something else, and it just went right out my dome. Bing. I mean, it floated out of there. It actually, whatever the thought was, it came in from the left. It circled around on the inside of that empty brain socket, and it goes out the right and done. So, and I think, you know why? I'm The headline. Again, I think if we took our headlines and inserted them into Brady Bunch episodes, we could have got another whole season out of the Brady Bunch, okay? Yes. A 500-pound escapee tortoise. <laughs> now, you're putting all this together, 500-pound escapee. Mm -hmm. uh, unless this was a tortoise trying to get to the, uh, the doctor in Houston that operates on 600-pound people, <laughs> I just don't know where we're headed with this. He's going to see Dr. No. <laughs> Well, Rocket may see, seem to be a funny name for a slow-moving tortoise. Hi, what's your name? Rocket. 
<laughs> but the 90-year-old 500-pounder wow. is a master escape artist who has broken out of enclosures at not one, but two different zoos. Rocket was one of the first animals at the Sedgwick County Zoo in Kansas when it opened in the early 70s. Nearly 40 years later, the giant tortoise escaped. Rocket's trainer... I'm sorry. Mm. I have to wrap my head around a tortoise having a rocket as a trainer. His name is Nate Nelson. <laughs> He actually says he actually he, he he attained a length where he could get his legs over the enclosure bars and just climb out. He, he said it was impossible to lift Rocket back up when he escaped, so it would take hours to walk him all the way around and back up to his exhibit. That's when Nelson realized Rocket needed to be sent to a bigger and better home. So Rocket was shipped off to Tulsa, where he met his new handler, Chris Williams. But that didn't last long. William says, we had the same problem. He escaped there multiple times. It was off to maximum security for the 90-year-old tortoise, a brand-new state-of-the-art exhibit at the Bronx Zoo. Finally, more than a decade later, Rocket is back in Kansas with an escape-proof area to live. Nelson's glad he gets to spend every day again with one of his oldest friends. He says, I don't think he recognizes me, but it's hard to say, you know. You can't say, you can't, they really don't have any facial features. Wow. Rocket. Just wow. Dude. <laughs> Tortoise is sitting in the corner of his enclosure, not moving for days on end. You know, he's thinking about his next escape plan. It's going to take him a while, but he's getting out. Dude. I'm just thinking of Rocky's manager in the first one, you know, the trainer. He's, <laughs> they make good soup. <laughs> liferadio.fm the market mag show and okay a couple of minutes ago we had this story about a 500 pound turtle Mm -hmm. that is an escape artist okay and mark and i are still talking about this because (laughs) wait a minute mark you you've got first of all it's a tortoise i mean they don't move at you know they're not real fast okay and mark says he goes well how long did did he go unattended where nobody looked at him right. for him to be able to get away? Yeah. Think about that for a minute. It you know if he has to use if if he were the type of creature that had to use a restroom, he'd have to plan it out in advance. I mean, there's Weeks no way in advance. Yes, and something as simple as an air tag or whatever they have, you know, yes. you'd know where he was all the time. I mean, what kind and and how does the guy? That was his job was to guard the tortoise. Okay. (laughs) And the tortoise escaped on his watch. Where is this guy going to get his next gig? Uh You couldn't keep up with a 500 pound tortoise. Uh I mean, no, we don't need your help. I think we're good. You know, (laughs) it just boggles the mind. I mean, no, this isn't like one of these. I mean, they don't really go fast. I mean, we, it's not like it's a joke about turtles being slow. They are slow creatures, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and a 500-pound, 90-year-old tortoise is not setting any world records for speed. No, even though his name is Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you notice they man. didn't they didn't refer to this guy Nate Nelson as his as his keeper or or yeah. they refer to him as his trainer. So maybe yeah. maybe he's been training him to run. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. The <laughs> 90-year-old tortoise has got little sneakers on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Actually, you know what? 
we have just found out that there is a man who created a cloaking device, and his name <laughs> is Trainer Nielsen. You know, because that's the only way that this uh, five hundred pound tortoise manages to sneak yes. away. You know. Right, and nobody saw him. <laughs> no. now, you're tell me, nobody saw him walking down the side of the road, mm. a 500-pound tortoise. I mean, nobody sees him in it. He's in the parking lot. I mean, it's not like Steve McQueen is showing up on a motorcycle. Come on, I'll take you for a drag, you know. We're digging a hole under mm-hmm. this fence. He's not, you it's know, not he's like not the great escape. No, it's not. No. So how many people saw this boulder moving and didn't think, hey, Let's take a picture. You would think that after, I don't know, maybe the second time he managed to get out of his enclosure, that you would have motion sensors and cameras and things, at least you know, at least something set up so that an yeah. alarm would go off somewhere if a if the perimeter of his enclosure was crossed in, in any way, yep. shape, or form. So that somebody's going to get a call, hey, Rocket's out again, you know, and they're going to yeah. go take care, or he's trying to get out. You would think, but right. no, <laughs> no. Not just at one think, to one zoo, two different zoos. Right. That's I'm thinking, Mark, that this is beam me up Scotty type stuff. Okay. This is, they found a way to transport him. You know, they, he, there's no way uh-huh. this story doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> well, unless an alien, this is, <gasps> this is what it is. The, this is, there you go. The truth not, is out there. Not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Yeah. <laughs> liferadio.fm the market mac show and you know we do appreciate you joining us each day and we try to ask if you get the chance to share this with somebody just hey listening to the market mac show liferadio.fm that's all you got to do firefighters are doing something and this is kind of like a theme today the animal stories which (laughs) is a theme every day mainly because mark and i are both uh dog people and animal people in general i mean it's just i don't know it's like i've said before i don't know how anybody goes through life without a relationship with Jesus for real. I don't right. know yeah. how, you know, and in, and I don't want to, uh, make it slight when I say, I also don't know how individuals don't have pets. You know, it just seems like an extension. Um, like it, we as people need to feel needed yeah. and a pet, if you truly are taking care of your pet, they need you to take yeah, care of them. Do, yeah. And dogs in particular, and cats is a different story. I mean, that's you, true. I mean, that you, time you told me that with cats, you're the help. I went, oh yeah, that's yeah, it. Uh-huh. You know, you die. The cat just goes next door. Yeah. <laughs> the dog, the dog sits and howls and mourns over you. The cat right. just goes next uh, door, you know? Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So when you see a headline that says firefighters rescued dog trapped under a concrete slab, uh huh. I'm thinking, first of all, okay. I get it. Okay. Right. The need to save the animal. I do. But this gets to that point where you're going, how important is this? I'm going to crawl under a concrete slab <laughs> to retrieve a dog. Yeah. And how did he uh, get might there? I want to get the owner out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, firefighters in California did go to the rescue of a dog that chased a possum up under a concrete slab and then got trapped there. 
one of those situations where the dog was all eager and dug its way in there, but then oh, couldn't, yeah. couldn't figure out how to get back out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the man. Alameda County Fire Department said in a Facebook post that crews responded to a location in Union City when the small dog became trapped up under a slab while pursuing a possum. Uh, the post says Rescue 24 assisted with cameras to confirm the dog wouldn't be harmed by breaking out the concrete around him. The post included a video of the firefighters carefully extracting the dog from the hole they made in the concrete. The pup wasn't <laughs> injured and was reunited with its owner. Wow. What about the possum? LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, this is a funny, funny uh, story about Joey Chestnut. Yeah. And you're going, how do I know that name? Mm. Did he have a brother named Mark who was a country music star? <laughs> no. You know, Mark Chestnut. <laughs> no. But he's famous for eating a lot of hot dogs is what he's famous that's for. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who's won that. Uh, he's won the Nathan's hot dog eating contest in New York 15 times. 15 okay. Times. Well, there you go. Yeah. Means and, at least once, a t- well, for the last 15 years, at least one time a year, we mentioned the name Joey Chestnut. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Joey Chestnut took on the popcorn eating challenge at Victory Field in Indianapolis before a minor league baseball game between the Indianapolis hmm. Indians. Well, isn't that politically incorrect? And, wow. And the Rochester Red Wings. Chestnut down 32 of the 24 ounce servings of popcorn in the allotted eight minutes beating the record of 28.5 servings, which was set in Las Vegas in 2021. He told WISH-TV his strategy ahead of the attempt, I'll be drinking a lot of water. <laughs> one, one hand is going to be gripping the right side handful, squeezing it just enough, one chew in my mouth and a sip of water to chug it down, maybe a couple of chews toward the end of the contest. My throat's going to be tired, so I'm going to have to chew a little bit more. I might have to drink a bit more water. It's going to be a battle. The popcorn eating challenge marks Chestnut's 50th competitive eating world record. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So he gave us his trick to doing this. It's mm-hmm. water. Right. I know that. I know we saw that with the hot dogs, right? Right. I mean, yeah. they have the hot dog in the bun, mm-hmm. dip it in water and swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even, they don't even chew. Yeah. Just. Bloop, yeah. Yeah. That's just. I, there's so many things wrong with this, you know, and mm-hmm. popcorn now it's like. Yeah. yikes dude okay yeah i so, mean that's pretty cool to... I, so is this how i want to know is this how he makes a living does he get paid oh, yeah does it does he mm-hmm. win i guess he wins prizes right yeah you know so yeah i, so, I don't know maybe a, probably gets a radio station teacher you know <laughs> here's your prize dude <laughs> thanks for flying into vegas merry christmas <laughs> here's your wish tv t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And hey, another day, another yeah. dollar and a half. Man, we made yeah. it. Yeah. Now, we only have one more day to complete three weeks in a row of not taking a day off, right? Woohoo! Yes, you're right. So, <laughs> mm. hey, I want to. What's going to happen next? <laughs> yeah, I shared this with you off off the air a little while ago. Yeah. About the, the pastor and his reasons to quit uh, sporting yeah. events. I think it's a great way to wrap things up today. Go. 12 reasons why I, as a pastor, have decided to quit attending sporting events. Number one, the coach never came to visit me. (laughs) Number two, every time I went, they asked for money. Number three, the people sitting in my row didn't even, didn't seem very friendly. Number four, the seats were very hard. 
Number five, the referees made a decision I didn't agree with. Number six, I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. (laughs) Number seven, some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. Number eight, the band played some songs I had never heard before. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. Number 10, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. And finally, <laughs> finally, the number 12 reason why I, as a pastor, have decided to quit attending sporting events. I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Wow. Oh, wow. Just wow. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. That helps. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.